1: Welcome back to the Reset Rebel podcast with me, Joe Yule. And a few months ago, I wandered into an Ibiza garden centre and I realised that I just landed in the centre of a full blown party. There were loads of people uh, looking very unlike the usual green fingered crowd, and in their place, what I could only describe as the super glam set of Ibiza out in force, looking like they just fallen off a catwalk and as it turned out most of them had. Um, Just a few hours before the party kicked off I later found out there was a little fashion show going on and through the course of that event one lady captured all the eyes as she sang some house classics and since then I've been kind of stalking her and wishing to invite her on the show. Rebecca Brown, Spanish composer, writer, singer and actress. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Oh, thank you for having me. I love it. <laughs> I mean, before we start to talk about Garden Centre Gate, tell us a little bit about, you know, the very first time you came to Ibiza.
0: Hmm. Oh, I barely remember that moment. <laughs> Too old for that. <laughs> I was I think I was a kid with my parents, you know. We came here for the summers, and uh, I was, from from the very beginning, I felt my heart belong here, you know. So I decided to move to the island 20 years ago. And since then, uh, I'm based here, also
1: Barcelona, you know, some business here and there. But this is my home, yeah. I didn't actually know that you lived here so that's very good news indeed because I thought you were living over in Barcelona obviously you know it's easy to get backwards and forwards um I think um I kind of interested uh, you know in your perception of what Spanish people think of Ibiza because obviously you know in the English and the European community it's kind of seen as a bit of a party island but how do you know how do Spanish people perceive this island Hmm. depends on who you talk to
0: (laughs) Yeah, a part of them proceeds as a, as a party island. Yeah, the main. I think the mainstream and the most most of them also they see these documentaries on TV about about this you now about Ibiza and people that hasn't experienced Ibiza at its full potential. They have this idea of this all these clubs and things. But what really attracted me more from from the island, it was not that side. It was the other side. It was the spiritual side, the energetic. I mean, 30 years ago, uh, everything was very different on the island. I've seen Ibiza evolving into something more touristic, something more popular, you know. But I still find and I still know where to go if I want to, you know, bring that spirit back. And I think what happened at the Evis Garden that day was bringing back that spirit—something very natural, very easy, laid back. You know, like nothing prepared. Not you know, mm-hmm. and 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 I actually my performance at, at that moment, what what the DJ was playing, it was not prepared. Mm-hmm. I, I should have only played um, at the cabal, the fashion show, but I you know I felt like I had to go up and you know and and do that, because it came out of my heart, you know? And this is how I started music.
1: definitely how it felt and I was just completely shocked to be honest with you A, didn't expect to find a party in the middle of a garden center I mean hashtag only in Ibiza but also yeah when you got up there it was kind of like you I was kind of behind you actually and I wasn't sure if like Beyonce's naughty little sister had popped up (laughs) yeah
0: Yeah, it was actually I told the owners that it's a great concept to develop You know, like,
1: once a month, we should have a party at the Eves Garden, you know? That would be cool. (laughs) In between the plant pots and sort of, you know, I was waiting for, like, Bill and Ben, the flower pot men, and their uh, merry entourage to, like, swing by. It was like, I don't know, it was just such a bizarre moment. That was the beauty of it. Like, there was people that came specifically for the party,
0: but there was other people that came just to buy some plants and so, (laughs) you know, and then they found that. But it was not nothing... super annoying you know it was something beautiful and and at that moment we were all (laughs) in need Mm. of something you know it's been really hard these last two years Mm. for all of us so I think that was kind of a I think that was
1: the the big
0: opening of Ibiza (laughs)
1: I think so too. For me, it was anyway because I hadn't been out at all for like two years, and then suddenly, as you say, went in to get some plants, and I didn't get out of there till about another four hours later. I stayed right until it finished, and I had the best time. <laughs> this is how you came. I thought you were invited or, or something. <laughs> Lovely. Actually, what really happened was um, we were supposed to be going to the spa on the other side of the island, and we decided to go go-karting instead. And my boyfriend had put his watch in his jacket, but when we were in the car, he couldn't find it anywhere, so he started panicking. We pulled over the car at the garden centre, got out of the car to look for his watch, and heard music. And I was like, I think there's a party over there. Should we see what's going on? And that's kind of what happened. How cool. <laughs> love it. <laughs> look, I get goosebumps in this kind of... I'm a very...
0: Oh you know, like sensitive person. So, yeah, I think we are living this very emotional and transformation moments and expect the unexpected.
1: And you will not be disappointed, especially not in Ibiza. (laughs) Thank God for that. I mean, really, that's how life used to be here. You'd be like going out for a pint of milk and come back three days later. You never know what's going to happen in Ibiza, but it hasn't been like that for so long. It was just such a a joy to see that unfold. Yeah, that's
0: actually the truth. That's what I'm... I need that. I want that. That's what what we are here for. Mm -hmm. Because everything is so programmed and, you know, like serial parties and I don't know I'm not I'm not really enjoying going out anymore mm. to some specific places and and small committee uh you know ones but uh, so um yeah we'll talk about it later maybe <laughs> about the, this thing that I'm trying to put together in Ibiza so to bring a little bit back the spirit
1: mm. I mean, what, you know, what is it that you like to do in Ibiza, though, if you spend a lot of your working time, if you can call it work? I mean, it seems like it's something that you just absolutely love doing. You were born to do that. It's your passion. So that's a good news that you do something that you love so much. But, like, what do you do in your downtime or what do you do to reset? Mm. Being quiet. <laughs> I need silence.
0: Silence for me, it's like I, I need to balance that, especially... Being 30 years on the electronic music, it's it's very, uh, you know, mm. demanding. And last year, I had this problem with my ears. I had, after all these years, I was surprised I didn't have it earlier, the tinnitus. Mm. So in February last year, I started to have that. And I was like, oh, my God, my life is over. You know, what am I going to do? So now, luckily... I'm almost healed, and um, I'm very happy, but I think it was part of the transformation that I had to go through. Um, I'm not, um, let's put it this way, I'm not learning anymore in that in that scene, you know what I mean? I need to transform myself and do other things. So I'm working on many different things. And musically, I'm putting together a band, I need to work with musicians again, you know, to nurture each other, to explore other, mm, other ways of um, expression, you know. Uh, but also I'm studying. I'm very excited about this because I'm studying a master on neuro music, which is very, very unique and very new because uh, I want to help people through music. Yeah, this is very interesting for me because I know I've been helping people in some way also with music because that's what I get from people, you know. They write me like, oh, you, you saved my life or "This your music really helped me in this moment, blah, blah, blah. But to do it in a very conscious way and focus my energy into something really new, it's really exciting for me right now. So this is, I'm opening this jar. I don't know where it's going to take me, but um, I want to explore the healing power of my voice and music with music therapy
1: and all that stuff. So I'm really working on this now. I think you're in the right place to create that kind of music because there's a lot of, yeah, as you say, this place is a very spiritual island, but it's got a lot of people that are into the same thing. And just a couple of episodes ago, I met... Tom Middleton, who's also a DJ, but he introduced me to this woman who's creating um, binaural music and she's made it into an app for period pain. So I was like, oh, interesting. But I think really, really cool things are starting to happen like that, where people's minds are more open to using music for more medicinal and, yeah, different purposes, not just, as you say, (laughs) in the middle of amnesia. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, the entertainment is, is nice,
1: but for me, I really need to go farther on
0: with 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 this. You know, explore other. So this is what's calling me now, and this is what's really soothing me. And and and. But yeah, like you asked me, it's like, what do I do? It's like just walking with Roxy.
1: You know, and being silence. That's all I need. It's interesting. I think maybe the last few years perhaps showed us that we're not as extroverted as we like to think we are. And sometimes actually we do recharge in complete silence and alone rather than like, you know, I think a lot of people go back to life as it was before and realize that actually that kind of group setting and the kind of craziness that can unfold actually feels really exhausting.
0: Yes. I think these last two years with the pandemic thing, um, It's been terrible for many of us, but I think it's also brought some very positive things Mm -hmm. to go back and reconnect with ourselves, with our family, our friends, you know, and rethink and transform. This is what I think the world is called Mm -hmm. to a very deep transformation. And and I'm happy to be here Mm -hmm. to work on that.
1: How exciting. Do you so you live in Ibiza and you were here for the last two years during that period of uh, peace and quiet, should we call it?
0: Well, the lockdown, I was in Barcelona with my mom because I had a um Japanese restaurant that I opened with my sister one year before the lockdown. And we were like in this moment of like growing up and all the investment, all the you know, money and energy and and it was like really you know, like, taking off. But then they locked us down. So I decided to stay with my mom because, you know, I didn't want her to be by herself. It was a new situation. It's like, I needed to be with my family. So, um, yeah, we were there until the summer, and then I came back uh, here.
1: How did it feel to get back on stage and do what you normally do right after all of that? I mean, was was it, you know... Was that something you were looking forward to or did you feel a bit apprehensive about getting back out there? No, I never felt apprehensive, never had
0: any fear about it. I, I really, yeah, I was <laughs> eager to go back on stage, you know. But at the same time, I was at the transformation point, so it was a bit awkward sometimes, you know, plus the tinnitus. And it's, it hasn't been easy for me. I'm a very positive person. I, 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 I tend to... I'm a very drama queen also sometimes but not too long you know but uh i get on i get on track uh easily and um but yeah it's been really hard because we we lost everything we had to sell the restaurant it took a year and a half to sell it so all my energy was there to like trying to get rid of that we lost everything, and, and illusion, and, you know, like, mm, it was uh, ugly. Plus, I, I didn't have any gigs for two years almost, you know, so it was a very tough moment, mm-hmm. very tough moment, so... And we're still, you know, on it, but, um, yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of um, hope, and... Um, I don't know. There's, there's, but also I see there's too many things going on at the same time. It's a bit messy right now. Do huh? you feel that?
1: It's <laughs> sort of a bit overwhelming, basically. I mean, I, yeah, this island is always slightly overwhelming in the summer. And there's a lot of things, a lot of pockets, a lot of you know different groups and splinter groups, and yeah, there's a lot of stimulation. But right now, it just feels like there's just overlap. There's just too much happening all at, all at once, and and you don't really know which way to turn. So my, I think my new strategy is just. <laughs> to tap out completely anyway it's definitely beginning again the summer is uh, obviously you know more or less in full swing and and I th- feel like normally it takes longer for that to happen because it doesn't normally start until the end of May and this year things have opened like a month early so yeah I kind of attended the IMS and did some episodes of the the podcast there and to be honest with you right after that I really took a little break because I was knackered I think I'm not used to it anymore. I mean, you say that you're full of uh, drama or you're a bit of a drama queen. Is that why you you opened, you know, the disco drama kind of uh, creation? I really, really loved watching some of that earlier.
0: (laughs) Well, actually, the disco drama comes from... um... (laughs) Real life? (laughs) Yeah, not in that sense, in a more of a a drama in a a theatrical uh, way. To put it like that, so I wanted to create something uh, for the dance floor, for the electronic music, for the clubbing, for the festivals, but with a um, with a story, with a with something, you know, with a, a, like a concert. That at that time it was no one had done that, especially in Spain, you know, because everyone was focused on DJs or sometimes vocalists but nothing further. So I wanted to um, put together a show which had uh, theatrical situations um, with the visuals, backup singers. Um, It was a big show. It was a big show. And I was doing it at Amnesia on Saturdays for 10 days. It was amazing. It was a bit difficult because, like I said, they don't have the mindset of... uh, Band, concerts, uh, shows, you know, they had um, just the DJ, uh, mixers, this, that, you know what I mean? And it was be hard to work on that um, field. The technical side was difficult. And they were a little bit afraid. It's like, oh, but do, now you're going to offer a show that they're going to be standing for an hour and people at three o'clock in the morning. people's going to be, you know, like they want to just want to party and dance. Like, trust me. This is why it's a disco drama. It's adapted. I've been doing this for years, so. But, but this this was my need of going further in a in a in a in a field that it got a little bit boring at at a certain point, you know? Because I'm I've done the, the dramatic art school. Uh, I'm an actress. I play piano. It's like I I I need I need to. To explore, you know, in all different genres and and, and, and ways of putting a show together. So I got this choreographer, very uh, famous in Spain. And uh, we adapted the show for different formats, like the Mini, the Medium, the Elf, and the XL. And um, the biggest one that we did was in um, Palau San Jordi in Barcelona for 10,000 people. That was hardcore. That was lovely. And, you know, it was... We're also proud of that because it was. All, I've always been an independent um, artist. Never had a label or or anyone that paid my bills or you know what I mean. So I always it always came from my own gigs, you know, and re um, how do you say re uh, package, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> reinvent yourself, yeah, yeah, reinvent or um, reinvest. I wanted to say you know reinvest all the, all the money and and make the the company grow, the product, which was Rebecca Brown, you know, and and that was the best time of Rebecca Brown, 2009, 2010. Mm. You know, uh, all these big mm, brands like Supermarché, Martinez, they were very popular at that time, um, gave me a big, spe- a, a, a very big speaker, you know, and so it was time to go independent and do my own thing. Mm. And it was a success in the beginning people was a little bit afraid like, but then, you know, if you want to hire Rebecca, you will you're gonna have to do this. This is what it is. And yeah, it was three years almost of of that lasted and very proud of it because it was all it came all from our pockets and
1: talent and
0: very proud of that, yeah.
1: You should be And I was watching the Millennium track And I'm I'm pretty sure I don't know It just jogged a bit of a memory And I'm not in sh- not entirely sure where it was But I'm pretty sure I've seen you perform that live somewhere So um, I'm interested to, to know Which which clubs did you play that in?
0: Calling all the children of the year Are you ready for repair? Millennium is here But there's no reason to fear the time has come when all men must leave us one. So put down your weapons, put down your guns. Will you dare be truly free, you will see. To the music that it brings. Everywhere. <laughs> I started playing that. Well, one of the biggest tracks was Sun Rising Up, David Penn and Tony Bass. It's called Du, Dukes. Um, now he's um, he signed for Defected, he's very big. And that was my first hit. And that was 2003, Space Terrace. And then Millennium came a little, a little bit after. That was a huge hit. Even in, in 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 England, was really big. I don't know if you remember this label called Azuli. Yes. So they they even um, took that label that track for their I don't know tenth anniversary whatever record. It was it was really big. It was really big in in Spain and and England. So. Space was first. Well, first place I played in Ibiza was Pacha. In this millennium, I broke the sound barrier. In the next millennium, I'll break the speed of light. In the third millennium, I'll reach war speed. Millennium, millennium, millennium. Pacha, then space, and then um, privilege. Um, with Supermarche, that we are holding the record Guinness with 12,000 people every Friday. That was nuts. That was absolutely like, I've never seen that. We will never see that ever again in in, in Ibiza. I mean, the line of cars was... I had to go every night uh, through um, a different road and a back road to get to the club because it was impossible to get there on time so that was that was crazy uh, and then yeah I, I can't remember the, 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 the year of millennium but yeah it was really big too <laughs>
1: I mean obviously Privilege was the biggest club like as you say but I mean what was it like to play the Space Terrace I mean obviously this is like a thing of of extreme memorabilia now, never, never to be done again, which is obviously very, very sad in my mind. Anyway,
0: that for me is the the gem of Ibiza. It was that terrace was amazing because there was no no lightning, no outfits. I remember if you if you check the pictures and the, and the videos, I was playing with my swimsuit. Just my bikini and a little a little skirt like that. Just like that. 3 o'clock, 3 p.m., you know, like super sweaty. But that was the beauty of it, you know? That was like taking that spirit and bringing it to, to a terrace. Then it became like a, a much better terrace, like a, a little bit, you know, they transformed it a little bit. But I remember the first one that we had that, uh, how do you call that? The, um, the net on top of our heads that we could see the the planes, you know, uh, that was unique. That will never come back. People says no, but you know, new new generations say that too. But I don't think so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's not like oh, it was so much better in my day. It's not like that. It's like listen, lids lids. You know, roofs on clubs don't... Yeah, you can never have that back again, ever. Once something's got a roof on it, it's not the same story. And we'll never have that because the laws will never allow it. So ultimately... Of course Ibiza has changed, time has moved on, development, you know, involvement, whatever, but it's not, it's never going to have. And actually, I do think that is where I saw you. I'm pretty sure that I can kind of vaguely recall that a space. Obviously, I was normally probably, um, you know, straight off the beach, as you say, in Salinas and wandering there maybe after um, Pasha the night before and definitely before DC10 on on Mondays. That was my little uh, routine, actually, when I used to come here on holiday. So I reckon that's where it might have been, actually, um, after all of that. I mean, it's interesting that you say, you know, you kind of played in front of 12,000 people. I mean, that's, that's absolutely massive. And as you said, that will probably never happen again in this lifetime, either, specifically now, after everything that's just happened. I don't think capacity this summer or summer anytime soon is going to be um, going back to the way it was. So how how does it feel, actually, to be back sort of singing in nightclubs? I know you say you had some time out and things are starting to gain momentum again, but does it feel good to be back out there? Yes, yes. Maybe
0: in the beginning, you're a little bit more like... No, but... I I never had any, you know, like... weird feelings. I, I... I, it's a natural place for me to be, mm-hmm. you know, so it feels like home, you know, so for me it's like nothing, nothing has changed, mm-hmm. besides there's a lot of things that had changed, you know, but but for me I feel comfortable, I, you know, in this environment, you know, it's been my <laughs>
1: my place to be. It definitely looks like your your natural habitat. I mean, what about, you know, as you say, you, we're going to talk shortly about your gig um, coming up in Ibiza soon, but, you know, you started as more of a classical singer back in the day when you were starting out. And, you know, then there came this big rising up track that catapulted you into more of an electronic kingdom so to speak because it mostly is men out there making uh, you know electronic dance music tracks and I think it's interesting to to hear your perspective on you know what that transition was like from, from kind of almost writing stuff or helping out with Eurovision stuff and you know there's been a lot of different chapters of your career which are I mean it would take me about three hours to do an introduction to include it also <laughs> I didn't bother but I think it's interesting to you know to go from that kind of background into the electronic dance music world well maybe in the public scene it, it kind
0: of looks like that but for me mm-hmm. I've been a DJ since I was 16 so that's how I got into the electronic uh, dance scene um, since I was a baby it was clear to my family to everyone that was going to be an artist no matter what I was an actress I was a singer since a baby so they put me into piano lessons, English lessons, you know, and 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 yeah, and they paid all my, my studies in the drama school, um, singing lessons, everything. So um, then I discovered the nightlife, you know, I was going out for the first time when I was 15, 16, and it was the boom of the, of the clubbing, of the DJing, you know, in Spain, we were especially in the part of Girona up there close to France because this is where where, where where all the raves and the DJs and all the influences were coming from mm. also from uh, from England but France was really our neighbor that was really on those so the ravers were coming I remember being on on raves in the campo in Girona you know that's how that's how I st- and then I so, Okay, wait, wait, what is this? DJs, okay. I was dancing, I was partying, but I was looking at them, what what, what we were doing. I was really interesting, absolutely absorbed with with that. It was like, I want to do that. Mm. You know, in the meantime, I was with with my studies in the theater and all that stuff, you know. But then I started DJing, and one day, I plugged the mic, and I tried. And I had that... It was easy to me to improvise and bring up um, songs and some melodies and harmonies were reminding me of, of that other song and so i brought the lyrics on it so this is how i started didn't have any any tracks uh, of myself you know then um uh when was my first gig that I, they actually paid me that was a uh, la terraza that was a very popular place at that time, 1997, 1998 at that time. So uh, Laurent Garnier was, was playing that night and then told me if I wanted to do the opening for him, the warm-up. Okay. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. You know, DJs were not the, the, the rock stars at that time that are now. Yeah, he was quite famous at that time, Laurent Garnier, too. But everything was kind of a starting, mm-hmm. you know? uh so um yeah i did the warm-up and then i was a song on top of on top of my session too it was great it was like oh my god was that so then they started calling me you know and um i started to record record some some songs and i was also writing some lyrics and and cutting some vocals for more hardcore style I didn't put my face on that <laughs> I didn't, didn't want that but it was also a good lap for me to, to have some you know so yeah I've, I've experienced the whole world of the clubbing I'm not only a singer that can sing and all of a sudden you know mm-hmm. decided to go on that no 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 I, I really I've been a party I've been a raver you know, I lift it in my bones. I, I know everything. I've been seeing the evolution of the different styles and genres. And, uh, and it's been the best time of electronic music in the human history. Mm. That is a fact. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, well, it started, I mean, I guess in Ibiza in the kind of the 90s. I mean, obviously, there was music arriving here, you know, Bob Marley and lots of other kind of cool rock stars and and pop stars that people don't really talk about. Because obviously, you know, it was only really that electronic dance music this island really became known for but there was definitely a big music scene starting to come in here even you know 20 years before that so I think it's interesting that it has kind of evolved really in one kind of monoculture of kind of tourism and of of nightlife really in lots of ways but you know obviously every everything has got to kind of develop in one direction or another and, and that's brought a lot of money to the island it's brought a lot of you know, a huge economy essentially as we saw in the last few years when that whole scene died. So, and it's brought a lot of joy, you know, it's brought a lot of connection. I mean, I was at the International Music Summit and it just really felt quite good actually to be amongst, those people again and i hadn't seen those you know those kinds of faces there for for two or three years and it was yeah it, it felt really lovely to be back um in amongst it so to speak i really love you i really love your track big bad bitch oh. i mean <laughs> i was listening to that earlier and um you know it's almost like 10 years but old I but it's still got a very special something about it can you, you tell us like what's that about don't
0: want to sell away to forever Cause I'm a renegade It's true So if you want my love You better blow me away Cause I'm a big bad bitch you ready. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna tell you the story <laughs> It's a good one Yeah, it's it was very advanced at that time I have to say, the sound When it came out, everyone was like Oh my god, what is this? And still, it is It's not, you know, it's not passé I'm not your woman, you need to understand I'm independent and in control And you ain't ready So boy, just let it go Oh my love, you better blow me away Cause I'm a big bad bitch And you ain't ready for me Cause I get what I want And I'm always on top I'm a bitch just never gonna stop. So I wrote this um I don't I'm sure you've you've heard of him. Henry Sarmiento Sonic Vista Studios. So I met him. Um, that that year I met Henry and we completely fell in love with each other in a, in an in an artistic way, you know? So um he was he's always inviting uh songwriters and he's having these camps uh you know and always these connections. So I met Nara Scarlett, which is the British uh songwriter, amazing, amazing one. She's got big heads for bands. Uh, yeah, she's she's amazing. So we were hanging out there and we just it was just like a joke. It was just like a joke. So we started writing writing this song on top of a I don't know, We just had like a, someone's uh, bass, uh, music music bass. It was like actually a house track or whatever, because I sometimes write on top of different music and then it, it, it converts into t- uh, something absolutely different. But it helps me writing to have some kind of a harmony or something. So if you want my love you babe. So we wrote that, and and it came like in a in an hour. It was like fast. It was like a story with a guy, you know. Also, we wanted to kind of uh, talk about this empowering women uh, story, you know, but in a, in a funny way, not in a in a like uh, super deep. <laughs> so yeah, um, and then the Chrome Angels, which is a um, they come from trans music their based here in Ibiza is a, a Swedish guy, an English guy and a French guy it's a trio, really famous here also at the time back in the day and they 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 made the music for what Big Bad Bitch ended up being but uh, yeah, that was lovely Henry Sarmiento for me it's been a very special person In that moment of my life, he's also involved in disco drama somehow. And I had a very lovely time at at that place. I I absolutely recommend everyone that is involved in the music to connect with him because he's pro. He's full power and he's absolutely honest and beautiful soul.
1: Whereabouts is the studio? Sorry? Whereabouts is that studio? Where is it? It's in the mountain
0: of Escobales. On the uh, the way to Escobales, it's like an ancient finca, uh, super Ivithenkan old style. And he's keeping it just like that. You know, he's got different studios. He's American. And um, he's always been a sound engineer. And I mean, it's a special one. It's a gem on the island. Very, 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 very cool one.
1: I just love all these little stories about kind of uh, studios popping up. Well, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of them, but they're always buried in someone's private house or in the side of a mountain or a cave or, you know, it's just like, I mean, there's one I go to where I do voiceover jobs, at the Blue Hill Studios, which is like a painter. And he has these unbelievable seascapes and like the room is, you know, the size of a small warehouse and in there are his paintings. And they're just like one whole side of the wall is just a painting. And then that's kind of the entrance to the studio. And it blows my mind every time I walk in there and there's a piano in there and he does live recitals and invites, you know, interesting people round to listen to his music, but also to see his artwork. So there's just some very interesting pockets of, of musicality going on on this island. Yeah. And, um, it, you know, it's always intriguing to hear where people go and record things because I think um, Six Senses have also, you know, they've got a studio built there now and there's rumours of Lady Gaga being flown in and all sorts of things uh, potentially happening. Lady Gaga been, has been at Henry's. Uh, actually, she wrote uh, Alejandro
0: at Henry's. Oh. Yeah, that was that was a special one. She stayed for a week there. Also, she, he, Henry's got rooms for people that wants to stay there, you know, and work. It has different different studios, and it's that kind of a Ibiza vibe, you know. This is what you were looking for when you come. So so convert that in in a studio. It's I think it's unbelievable. Yeah, um, David Guetta always goes there. Um, I mean, it might not be the super uh, new, but, I mean, he's got the best equipment. Mm He's, he's, just go check him out because you should make a podcast with Henry. He's he's a very interesting person. He's got
1: this expertise and, hey, Roxy, you want to talk too? (laughs) (laughs) She's clawing at my dress trying to get up on my lap to see if she can have a little word. Are you going to say something? (laughs) <laughs> we had a little snort from Roxy the dog and a little lick on my lovely hand. That was gorgeous. Thank you Roxy. Welcome to today's show. <laughs> I kind of think it's interesting though like why some artists choose to go to certain places in the world or drawn to certain places in the world to go and record because I once went to St Lucia uh, to go and do a story on Amy Winehouse when she was just coming back from not being uh, in her finest form, and you know the St Lucian Tourism Board were pumping out the story that obviously Amy Winehouse is on the island, and they have a jazz festival there, and she was going to be headlining with her new music that she was writing there and I went over there and you know i'd seen all these pictures of her looking beautiful and i I could see her in the distance looking the best she 's ever looked but Unfortunately, the night of the the actual gig itself she didn't um, she didn 't pull it out of the bag, and unfortunately, she regressed. Back to um, former form, and it was it was really tragic to see that actually. Um, but I was just amazed that, you know, why would someone like Amy choose like St. Lucia when obviously London was her, her haunt and her home? And I guess maybe she was, you know, trying to get away from from life as we know it. And I think that's interesting sometimes that people want to take, you know, a little break from normal life to go and get creative. where Where is the place on the island that you find the most inspiring to maybe write or somewhere where you think, you know, if you're going to be working on new stuff that you might go and spend some time?
0: Um... I have this little corner that, I'd, especially in the wintertime, because in the summertime it's quite packed, but I really like to go to Calaconta to the caves. Mm-hmm. I, like, I love to go and, especially in rainy days, get inside the cave and then stay there the whole, the whole rain. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. I love the winter time. Although this last winter has been really packed everywhere, I was like, "Hey, I didn't, I didn't sign for this." <laughs> <laughs> <So true. laughs> yeah, it's like hmm? Oh, all the little corners that I knew that I was gonna be alone and we're like all these tourists and people visiting. It's like okay. <laughs>
1: We've got to stop making podcasts about how great Ibiza is in the winter, damn it. So I ain't going to tell my secret corners
0: because, you know, (laughs) I keep them for myself.
1: I don't bloody blame you you know you gotta have some little secrets up your sleeve you can't share everything around here I mean talk to us about this um you know we've talked about how you got into electronic music but now you're kind of you know maybe possibly returning back to your roots slightly you've got some more acoustic music lined up which I'm you know on the basis of seeing Big Bad Bitch I can't wait um but you're going to be performing at Teatro Yes, Teatro Ibiza, yeah, which
0: is um, an extension of the famous and um, reputed uh, Teatro Pereira, which was the only place in Ibiza to actually listen to uh, live bands, you know, with jazz, uh, different, different program, jazz music, rock music. But um, they moved to uh, this new place, at the basement of uh, Hotel El Puerto, in Ibiza town, so um, yeah, they saw I was uh, doing this acoustic concerts with my band, and they called me, it's like, listen, we would love you to come here and perform with your band, I think it's the right place, so, you know, and it's Rebecca Brown in Ibiza, so it's, I said, yeah, I love that, but then I decided, now they have license until five, so every time I've done this kind of concerts, um, people is like so uplifted and they want more and more and more. So I decided like, okay, what, what why not mixing the two worlds, you know? There might be some people that just stay for the concert. Might be some people that just come for the party um, or both, you know? So <laughs> I wanted to host an event that I could do actually whatever I please.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Invite other musicians, other singers, friends. Even if there's someone popping up and wants to, uh, like friends that, you know, sometimes, hey, I'm here on the island, you know, as a surprise, just come over and let's and, and jam, you know, something like that. So I'm very excited about this. Um, it takes a lot of energy to put something like this together. Uh, and I'm an old lady already. You know? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, let's see how it works. And if it, if, if I feel good and if everything goes well, and probably we will have a residency there, maybe not every Thursday, but most of them.
1: Well, this is exciting because I've actually never been. This is the, probably one of the only places that I've always wanted to go to. I've literally never been. I keep talking about going. I've I've had tickets to go to things there, but I've just in ten years I've never made it. So finally, I have a good excuse to go.
0: Yeah, it's I mean it's this new place, it's it's new, it's like a completely different concept of what Pereira was. Um but I like the idea that it's like a small low selling club, you know? And it's got that there are not so many clubs in Ibiza like that. Actually there's not any like that. And uh I think I like that, like a smaller crowd, you know. I mean, this 500 people can can be host there. It's not so so little, but but you know, this kind of a, a small format thing. I I'm very excited about it. Like feel, like a nearby show like can look at the people in the eye and kind of bring that spirit back a little, you know. Mm.
1: I think, yeah, being able to see the whites of somebody's eye when you're on stage is, yeah, very, very connecting. And that's one thing you certainly don't get in amnesia or something like that, where you just... The DJ is like a little pinprick in the distance. Like, it's it's not something that I think brings people together in the same way as an intimate venue that, yeah, you can actually really kind of see people smiling or, like, their facial expressions or read the crowd better. Mm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I I would like to invite you if you want to... You come by and, and check us. And um, yeah, I'm also going to um, try to blend the band, the musicians, into the DJ session also. Like that's what I want to I wanna do. It's all about talent um, and music and like an electronic jamming session. Mm-hmm. That could be a little bit like a concept.
1: <laughs> I love it. It sounds amazing. I'm definitely going to come. The acoustic mu- music though, like where or when did the kind of, you know, the urge come back, I suppose, to kind of, you know, get more into your own, you know, stripped-down side?
0: Yeah, it was going on for for a long time already, but I was so into the you know, the show, the business uh, wheel that um Actually, it was a little bit difficult to stop. (laughs) But then this pandemic, like, really made me stop. And uh, there was this time that we weren't able to um, perform, dance, you know. There were some uh, places that only host, like, um, a show that you could be sitting, you know, something like dinner shows and stuff like that, you know. So I have to, okay, this is the moment that I can use for adapting this show to this new format that I actually it comes natural for me you know so that's how I started last last, uh, summer they asked me like okay we need to cancel your gig because we're not allowed to dance so people needs to be sitting how are we going to bring you the DJ you are super powerful you know and we're going to keep people sitting on their chairs you know it's like Okay, let me try something. Can I can I bring my band? Can I, can we adapt that? Oh, we love that. So that was the first concert we did. But I remember doing the Gay Pride last last summer in Ibiza, in San Antonio, on the beach. Mm-hmm. Everyone was sitting, like thousands of people sitting on chairs, and that was like Rebecca full power. You know, like, I have to say that they stand up a little. <laughs> And they were coming, like, sit down, because the, cause the major is here. We're not allowed to do this. Like, really? <laughs> like, outside on the beach? People's not allowed to stand up and dance a little? So, yeah, that was, that was the, the point that I decided that, okay, it came all naturally. Mm.
1: So the fun police were out in force. <laughs> Um, I mean yeah it feels like a, a moment in time and time is right I feel like to celebrate again like if ever there was a moment this definitely feels like it's it so I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing the performance um I think my parents are actually here so I might bring them as well oh, wow. <laughs> so that could be interesting um and yeah I really wish you luck with it and I'm looking forward to hearing as I said the acoustic music as well but is that actually going to be released as a record or as a complete volume of work or what's the vision? Yeah, I wanted to
0: put together an album. Oh, for me, ideally would be a recording um, different concerts and then decide which one would would be the best one to mix and and put out. That would be for me the ideal. But then we're thinking about also recording maybe not like f- like a full album, but like a EP with uh, five, six songs, something like that. You know, uh, but that won't won't be until after the summer. For me studio is more in the winter time. I don't know, people record all the time but summer is a little bit crazy, you know, and I need mm. to focus to, to record to be in the studio. Plus it's too hot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is too hot. It's only June and it's no, already absolutely cooking. <laughs> the joys of air conditioning here at The Hub. Thank you, Hub. Um, Rebecca, it's so lovely to, to finally actually get to meet you after seeing you uh, shaking a tail feather on stage. You looked amazing, I have to say, up on stage. I was like, that woman's got it going on. I want to be like her one day. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's sweet. <laughs> and you're definitely not an old lady, for the record. You look amazing. And um, I can't wait to see you live in action. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me here at your
0: podcast. And uh, I keep the good work and keep I know sometimes it must be a little bit hard <laughs> to do this, like being after people, but uh, I loved it and, and, and finally we, we we could manage to, to to meet. And if you allowed me, I have a lot of people that I could bring you to to maybe, you know.
1: Yes please whatever you're going to say next to, to,
0: to, to something your, your podcast and to you know if you're interested it's like because i i but well, first of all i love your eyes you have beautiful eyes if uh, p- please uh, if you don't know her uh, now i'm looking uh, all this sun the ray sun is, is is
1: on on your eyes now you're beautiful beautiful too thank you very
0: much sweet
1: thank you rebecca brown we'll have you have you back again soon on that note and roxy of course say goodbye roxy <laughs> no. She's having none of it. She doesn't perform on command. <laughs> it's the rebel. It's the reset rebel. It's the
0: reset rebel. It's the reset rebel. Coming to you every day.